Good morning. Good morning. I've got to be careful. Jose said that I was his uh, favorite father-in-law. Notice he didn't say pastor, but he did say father-in-law. And also notice this. I've got to be careful when I can't say he's my favorite son-in-law. Why? I've got more than one of them, okay? So I really have to be careful. He, he likes me a lot. Jose likes me a lot. You may find that hard to believe, but he does. On a regular basis, he'll tell me that I am his favorite father-in-law, and I know it's because I'm the only father-in-law he's ever had. Matter of fact, uh, here recently, well, first of all, it started out on Father's Day. I know I'm not his father, but I'm his father-in-law and his favorite one. Don't forget that. And on Father's Day, he gave me a gift. He gave me a coupon from Sonic, and it was for half-price pi- half drinks from 2 to 4 p.m., and I could use it any time I wanted to. And I really appreciated that. And then uh, just a few weeks ago, he invited me to lunch. Our wives were gone, and the kids were gone. They were out of town doing something else. And he invited me to lunch. And he said, I'll meet you at Chick-fil-A. And uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. Many of you don't. Chick-fil-A is not open on Sundays, so I showed up at Chick-fil-A, and I sat there a long time before I figured it out, and uh, Jose took advantage of me once again. Hopefully, you're getting to know him, though. Hopefully, you're getting to know him. You don't know me at all, and it's 10 o'clock on a weekday, on a Friday, and you're thinking, why in the world should we give this guy 20 minutes? Why should we listen to this old guy? I'll give you one big reason, but first of all, a couple of smaller ones. Listen close. We only have a few minutes together. Thank you. You are listening. There are people right now in Hutchinson, Kansas, on their knees praying for you. Now, and praying for me. And I need it. Also, another fact is this. You may or may not know it, but you live in the middle of a war zone. Did you know that? It dawned on me back in March, whenever we were at Fort Bragg in Fayetteville, North Carolina, there visiting our daughter and son-in-law, the other son-in-law. And we were there on that military base and around thousands upon thousands upon thousands of young adults. And I told our daughter, Paisley, day one there, I said, if I was God, Or if I was the devil, I would hang out here. The same thing applies to Sterling College. The very same thing applies to every campus. See, the devil's dumb, but he's not stupid. He would rather hang out and mess with you and screw you up and bring chaos and destruction to you and your life and your future and your present than the old guy or than the 90-year-old person in the rest home. You're, you're a bigger target. Many of you don't realize it. Some of you do, though. Some of you do. So that's another reason to give me just a few minutes. Again, not because of my words, but because of God's words. But here's the biggie. I'm going to share with you the truth of how you can leave Sterling College 
whether it's this year or four years from now or something in between, I'm going to share with you this morning how you can, live, how you can leave Sterling College in honor if you choose to. Because if you don't choose to leave here in honor, you're going to leave here in humiliation. And that doesn't only apply to your college years, that applies to every day of your life and my life and every season of life. That's part of life. You can either be prideful and just live in humiliation year after year, or you can be humble and you can, be, you can humble yourself before the Lord and you can receive honor and truly be blessed. That's what we're looking at this morning. And don't take my word for it. I've been preaching out of Proverbs recently. Today there's going to be a few verses on this humiliation, uh, on this, on this hu- humiliation or honor choice that each one of us are making today. And uh, Proverbs talks about that, but all of Scripture talks about that. Think about this. Think about this for a minute. You have a promise in Scripture that if you live in humility, if you humble yourself before this one true living God, if you humble and submit to Him, you don't have a promise of an easy life. You don't have a promise of a wealthy, rich life monetarily or perfect health. But you have a promise that you will receive honor and dignity and respect. Yes, you will be blessed spiritually in eternal ways beyond what I can even tell you about. But you'll also live a life of respect, and you get to walk with your head up. That sounds like arrogance, but it's not. It's humility. Look what Scripture says. Again, not taking my word for it. Jesus said, Matthew 23, 12 on your screen, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elder, elders, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Why? For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. One more, Matthew 18, 4. Whoever, Jesus said, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, opposite of what your flesh says, my flesh says, and the world says. The person that's worth worth the most is prideful, braggadocious, arrogant, ambitious, and all these other things. And yet Christ says, oh no, it's humility that brings greatness. It's the humble one that I lift up and exalt for everyone to see. So you and I need to leave here today knowing what humility is. Look at it on Proverbs 22.4. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor, and life. Did you know if you check it out in Proverbs that humility is almost synonymous with the fear of the Lord? They go together. In other words, you and I, some of you have heard before that in the scriptures, the word humility means to know your place and to lower yourself below God, to put yourself in the proper position, be humble. And yet it's, it's, it's more than that. Humility is a lot like knowledge and wisdom. It begins with what? Fearing the Lord. It, according to Scripture, real knowledge and real wisdom and real humility begins with fearing the Lord. 
to live a life that is really a life of dignity and honor that pleases God begins with fearing him. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 before you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fear. Uh, what, is it, what, what, is it, what does it look like? Uh, how could, some of you could ask me after, after our time together today or during lunch, hey, Pastor Roy, how can I know whether or not I really fear the Lord? I hear about this, fearing God. What does it mean? How can I know if I have it? Look at your life and see how you deal with sin. Look and see what your motive is when you win concerning temptation and sin. And you don't do that that you know that you shouldn't be doing. You don't do that that you know is outside of God's plan and his design for you. See, he wrote the book because he created life. And you follow the book because you live it the way God designed it. He's a designer of it, and he's the creator of you. And so he wants absolutely your very best. That's why he gives you the words to live out the design. Do you, when you battle temptation and you battle sin, what's the motive? Is the motive to please your pastor or to please your professor or to, so your girlfriend won't be mad at you? What's the motive? That's one way to tell whether or not you're fearing the Lord. What do you mean, preacher? Here it is. I've got a young man. I've got a young man that I pray for daily. I've known him for several years. And uh, he, is, he has been addicted to pornography for years upon years upon years. And it doesn't matter if I'm preaching at First Southern Baptist Church in Hutch or if I'm preaching at Sterling College or any college or anywhere. Uh, there's men and women battling that addiction. Pornography is an addiction. Another word for it is sexual immorality. It's outside the plan. It's just outside the plan. This young guy in his 20s, I know him, and I, and I know, I remember when he committed to Christ, and, and I really believe he's a genuine follower of Christ. One way I believe that is because his sin grieves him. Man, I've seen him broken over it time and time again. And, and I hope you guys are listening. It's hard for an old guy to see with the light, so I hope you're awake. But take this away with you, if nothing else. Oftentimes, I remember in my own life, how can I know if I'm truly a Christian? That word means so much to so many different people. How can I know? Does sin grieve you? Does sin grieve you? See, Scripture says that when a person repents and turns from being the king and lord of their life and the boss of their life and they turn to this Jesus and they truly believe upon this cross and this blood and this body and this sinless life and they commit to that king, that lord, that the spirit of God enters them. So from that point on, one of the things they have to deal with is the spirit of God in them. And from personal experience, 40 years ago, during college years, when God called me and I came to true faith in Christ, and the preacher said, Roy, one way you'll know that you're truly a believer, a follower of Christ is, sin will make you sick from here on out. 
It'll be different than the guilty conscience. It'll be different than the hangover. It will be different than letting your grandmother down. It'll be different than you did this. I had no clue what he was talking about. Forty years later, I know what he's talking about. So that's, that's something you can know when you leave here today. A true, genuine Christian, it's not that there's no sin in their life. But they hate it. They grieve over it. They can't believe that they're still struggling with that after what Jesus did for them. Going back to the young man I was telling you about. I started praying for him in a different way a year ago. I've prayed for him every day for years. I started praying for him a different way last year, Jose. I started praying that, that he would fall in love with his Savior, Jesus, more, and that would motivate him more, and that he would begin to have more and more victory over the porn. And now, about two months ago, studying and reading and going through Proverbs, I changed the prayer, and I realized the right prayer for me to be praying over him. Lord, give him such a fear for you, a fear towards you, that it buckles him, that it shakes him, that it terrifies him. Remind him that he, just like you and I, each one of us, we're going to stand before this holy, righteous one. It's, it's, it's proven. It's a fact. Remind him of that. And maybe that fear will bring him to humility and the knowledge of who you are, God, and bring him to the point that he chooses humility over pride, over arrogance, that he chooses humility. Look at Proverbs 9.10 on your screen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Listen close. Your number one thing to learn in life right now at Sterling College has nothing to do with a sport, nothing to do with the curriculum of a class. The number one thing for you to learn at Sterling College, in this season of your life, is who God is. Insight concerning who he really is. Because when you see him, and, and you, you see him, and you esteem who he is, and he's holy, and you and I are fallen, and you and I are sinners, and we're low, it helps you to get where he wants you, the right position, so that you can be broken and then look up and believe upon him, and he takes you from the humiliation of pride to the honor of humility when you submit to this one who showed us what really submission is. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Let me help each one of you that's struggling. Preacher, I'm not getting this this morning. What are you talking about? Humility and submission, and you got to be lowered before you're lifted up, and all these things. Preacher, what do you mean? Let me help you in getting in the right position for God to do a mighty work in you and through you. And I mean this even to believers, even to you, those of you who are committed followers of Christ. Let me ask you this question. Have you figured life out yet? No, I'm working on it. I ask guys. I don't look like I go to the gym. I hide it real well, but I go to the gym and I asked young guys in the dressing room, have you figured out life yet? Because I remember being their age. 
And them and many men my age have not figured it out. And I tell them, here's the secret to it. You were not designed, you were not created to be the boss of your life. Did you hear that? You were not designed, I was not designed to be the ruler, the king, the boss of my life. God designed you. God created humanity. He designed you and I to live life under his lordship with him and to live by the book and to experience the fullness of life, the abundant of life, abundant life now on this earth and then to live with him in glory forever and ever in all eternity. That's his design. Ever since Adam and Eve, you and I and all humans have decided we know better. And we're going to live life according to our design. And I'm old enough to tell you it doesn't work. Some of you are there. You've already got it. It doesn't work. Some of you are working on it. And I hope you get there. And with God's help, you will. It's crucial for you to know and understand that. Humility, lowering ourselves before our creator God, our designer. We were created and designed to live God with him. With him. Not estranged, not separated, doing our own thing. Okay, preacher, only two points on this devotional sermon today. Why does it even matter, Roy? Why should I even leave here considering this humility that you're talking about? Why? Look at Proverbs 28, verse 14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Hey, some truth on Proverbs. They're Proverbs. They're proverbial. Each one of them does not give you a promise. They give you a probability. Some include promises. This one that I just read to you, it doesn't say if you humble yourself before God and you commit to Christ and you grow in him and you obey him, it doesn't say your kid's not going to be in a car wreck. It doesn't say that your bank account's always going to be overflowing the right way. It doesn't say your health's always going to be great. It does say spiritually you're going to be a zillionaire. It does say that this Savior who created you and who died so that you could repent and believe upon him, that if you humble yourself to him and, and commit to him and live his way and his empowerment and his strength, he will, he will fill you so spiritually and mentally and emotionally that you're not going to be concerned about the circumstances of life. Did you hear that? That's what he'll do. And that's what Proverbs is talking about right here. Did you see the beauty of it? The person with humility that fears the Lord is blessed, literally in the Hebrew, happy. And yet the person who is prideful, Adam and Eve, I know we're not to, we've been told not to do this, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm in control. That's the hardened heart. That's the prideful heart. That's calamity. That's chaos. That's destruction waiting. That's what it is. Which one of the, look at that verse again with me, 28, 15, 28, 14. Which part of it, line A or line B, which one describes you? You and God can answer that. While you're chewing on it, I want to do something a little bit different, though. 
I want to read some verses that will be on the screen for you. And all I'm going to do is ask you one question. We're almost done. Think about this. I'm going to, ask, I'm going to read four verses to you, then I'm going to ask you, how did they affect you? Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. There's already been a hush in here. Maybe there's a holy hush right now. Let's see. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled. Say it with me. Humbled. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Where was humility invented? In heaven. Humility began in heaven. And Christ brought it and modeled it on the cross for you and I. And yet there's still people listening to my voice right now who are going to choose today pride and humiliation over humility and honor. I almost did 40 years ago. 40 years ago as a junior in college, living a self-consumed life, which you can at any age, but mine surely was in college, a life where I was king of my life. I had a background in religion. I had a background with a church and a denomination. And yet life was chaotic. One calamity after another. The past two years, that was 1982, about 1980, 1981, a five foot tall, 100-pound, nice-looking, very pretty, young Texas girl moved to Oklahoma, the little town where I was raised in. She got everybody's attention. She and I matched up and hit it off, and there began a relationship. I know you find that hard to believe looking at me, but I'm telling you, she was, and she is pretty, okay? Really. And uh, she was the only person at five foot and 100 pounds that ever had the gumption to tell me all those years of life, you're lost. You go to church some. Your mom raised you there. You know some about God. You try to be good, but boy, do you miss the mark. You need to be saved. When she hear, said the word saved, I didn't like that. I was raised in a church where we didn't use that terminology. And so I would bow up real quick and tell her, I'm just as good as any of those Baptist kids that I party with. And I know they say that they're saved. It was a powerful witness. She did that on more than one occasion. The relationship got pretty serious. I'll be blunt, we fell in love. And yet about two years into it, God convicted her. That young lady was born again. Not because she was a PK, a preacher's kid, but because she had committed to Christ at a young age. God's spirit was in her. And I hope everybody understands what I'm talking about. I'm fixing to make it very clear as we close. But she knew Christ. 
God's Spirit was in her, and God's Spirit did this, convicted her of truth from His Word. You are unequally yoked. You are in this relationship with a non-believer. Get out of it. And in 19, in the spring of 1982, she did. And it hurt. It hurt. Life was still chaotic even when I was dating her because I was still had this other life that I lived. And then when she ended the relationship, life nosedived. So there were some miserable months going on until 40 years ago, almost to the day, August, September 1982. I'm in southwest Oklahoma. I show up at a crusade revival thing. She had invited me time and time again. I never would go. I went on my own. I think her dad and, 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 and Brenda was there in attendance somewhere. Huge gym, countywide crusade. And when that preacher got done sharing the gospel and talking about Christ and how he had done the work that you could never do on your own, that no matter how religious you are or how good you are, nothing will cover your sins but the blood of Christ. Nothing but Christ. It clicked. And the Father drew me to the Son, and I found myself down here, along with security guards, policemen, other people that were working as the Spirit of God moved. And I committed to this Christ. I committed to Him. Humility took place. That's where humility begins, as you yield to Him. What took place? John 3, 36, I believed. Belief is putting your trust and your commitment in something. That's what the word means in the Greek. It's not with your eyes. It's not simply with your head. When Jesus said, whoever believes on me is not condemned, he meant whoever puts their trust, their faith in Christ and Christ alone for forgiveness of sin and commits to him. That's what he meant. So much more than head knowledge. I had head knowledge for decades. John 6, it takes the Father drawing you. What are you going to choose today? Humiliation of pride? The honor of humility. What's it going to be like when you leave this school? What's it going to be like concerning you? What are you going to take into your marriage? What are you going to take into your career? Humiliation or honor? It depends what you do with Christ. I don't know how Jose's going to handle it. I think there's going to maybe be some people in the back when you exit. Our church has given you a gift, bundles and bundles of Scripture. And this, this old preacher's going to beg you. I'm going to ask you to do something. When Jesus said in John 6, no man, no woman, no person, no child can come to me unless my Father draws them, he meant it. So I'm not going to ask you. We don't have time. I'm not going to ask for some show of hands. I'm not going to ask for these things down front. I am going to plead with you. If you believe that God is calling you, if he has struck a nerve today and he's been working on you, drawing you to his son Jesus, the only Savior, please pick up one of these or both of these pamphlets full of Scripture. 
Brother or sister in Christ, if you believe you know someone where the Lord is at work, pick up some and take them with you. There's believers here in this place. If you're here and he is drawing you and you know your life is just simply about you and it is chaotic and it is destruction and it's just junk, it's messed up, you turn to him. You stay and visit with Jose. Visit with me. We'll be staying here. Other believers will be here. You go to a trusted Christian friend. You do that today, please. And brothers and sisters in Christ, there's going to be some big old orange cards out there that's just going to be a blessing to you as a follower of Christ. Scripture, quick references to huge questions in life. You'll love it. You'll love it. Wow. You guys have humbled me today. You listened. And I appreciate that, and I thank you very, very much. Why is it important to me? Because of his words and what he's doing. I hope you never remember the name Roy, but please consider Christ and humbling yourself to him. Jose, thank you. Yeah.